Hello and welcome to the Understanding Autism podcast, where we talk about issues related to those with autism and the greater neurodiverse community. I am your co-host, Brett Thayer. And I am Nicole Cabillas. This is our first episode, so we thought that we'd describe what our podcast is, introduce who we are, how we met, and what kind of content to look forward to in future episodes. So what is understanding autism? The goal of this podcast is to help uh, provide information about autism for parents, teachers, and adults on the autism spectrum, whether those people are diagnosed later in life or get an early diagnosis. We also like to talk about our own personal experience with autism. I am an autistic adult. Brett is the parent of a young adult on the spectrum. And we are also uh, both former teachers from Colorado. So let's start by introducing the audience to you, Brett. How did you come to understand autism? Look up a different way. So first as a teacher way back in the 90s, uh, they... One of the things that we went through was um, psychology in the classroom and learning about different neurodiverse people and their needs. The, there was like one paragraph in our textbook about autism, and it was wholly inadequate to prepare me to what autism was and how complex this, this thing was and um, how best to serve my students. That was that was 27 years ago, and then things changed with my, my the birth of my son. So my youngest son then was uh, diagnosed with autism, um, and that began my journey of really trying to figure out what this was. And through that, how to best serve parents and and what that was like, and how to navigate. All of those things through the school, public school system and how to help Josh being su- successful in school. And through that, I've learned some things that work with having autistic children in my own classroom. How do you think your understanding of autism changed before your son had his diagnosis and compared to after? Well, it was a big change because part of it was uh, the medical community really didn't know what autism was beyond what they categorized as on the extreme end of the, the spectrum. Public uh, literature and movies like Rain Man did not sensationalize some aspects of autism, not really getting into what a deeper understanding was. And then when you have a child on the spectrum, that changes. So that was therapy, that was learning about it, that was figuring out who he was as a person and how better to help him. How do you think that experience of raising a child with autism benefited your work as a teacher? Well, it certainly did because I knew things to look for and uh, warning signs when Josh became agitated or I called it like this spiral up kind of sensation where he just gets frustrated and it, it boils over pretty quickly into uh, some kind of emotional outburst. And so I've learned to kind of figure out what those triggers were and to help Josh understand what those trigger words, trigger were and to um, help him kind of decompress and, and get some really techniques on how to kind of pull himself away from that situation. That 
being said as a parent that also kind of spilled over into my classroom where I could I could see those kinds of things in other autistic children and I knew okay this works for my son this should work for them as well and try to get them space mm. cool okay so now that's my story in a nutshell Nicole how old were you when you were diagnosed with autism so I was diagnosed with autism when I was two years old in 1993 and at the time there was really inadequate information about autism, kind of like what you were talking about earlier. So when I was diagnosed, a lot of people thought that I had severe special needs. And a big piece of it was that Asperger's syndrome wasn't put into the DSM until 1994, so the year before or the year after I got diagnosed. And so there wasn't really this understanding that autism was a spectrum and that there could be mild, moderate cases. I was just assumed to have severe special needs. So I went through four years of intensive therapy, which included speech, behavior, occupational therapy, horse therapy. I did all sorts of alternative homeopathic therapies, such as acupuncture, craniosacral, yoga therapy, color light therapy. It was a lot of therapy. And I think at the time that I was diagnosed, the goal was to cure or fix my autistic traits so that I could assimilate into neurotypical culture by the time I started kindergarten. And there were two reasons for this. One was to be able to assimilate with my peers and not experience any bullying or alienation for being different. And the other aspect is if people found out that I had autism, I would automatically get put in special education classes, which would underestimate my actual intellectual potential. So from there, um, there was kind of a, a, a very slow process of coming out and uh, revealing to people that I had autism. And we'll probably get into that in future episodes. Um, but what I will say is my family kind of transitioned from this belief of autism must be kept secret and I should mask my autism to um, me being open about my autism led to our family doing autism advocacy work for almost 20 years. And that gave me so much confidence and a sense of purpose with being openly autistic. So I've really viewed my autism as something that is an asset, especially with my work as a teacher. And that advocacy really has helped you not only to convey um, yourself as a, as a person on the spectrum, but to help other people on the spectrum as well. Absolutely. So my, I, I worked as a teacher for three and a half years. And I felt a tremendous amount of value being openly autistic as a teacher and really used that knowledge to support all learners, but especially neurodiverse learners. And now I'm in a, a career transition where my goal is to have a private counseling practice supporting adults on the spectrum and families, um, primarily supporting adult independence and neurodiversity in the workplace. So 
On the topic of teaching, since both of us are teachers, that probably just segues into how we first met. So I'll start with it on my end. Um, I was a first year teacher at Arvada West High School in 2019, and it was my first job. It, I was nervous and I didn't know what to expect, especially with the challenges of being an openly autistic teacher in a field that doesn't have a lot of autistic people. So I did disclose my autism diagnosis to my instructional coach, and her first thought was, I have to connect you with this uh, veteran teacher named Brett Thayer. And she had explained that not only did Brett have over 20 years of teaching experience, but he also had a son on the spectrum. So once we met, we had a mentoring relationship where um, Brett and I met once a week and and we coached, or he coached me um, for basically once a week for the entire year. So we worked together really closely. Um, I did end up leaving Arvada West after that year of teaching. The only reason being uh, was that I was hired on a one-year sabbatical contract and I had to find another job. So it really didn't have anything to do with my work as a teacher or how I felt about the school. It was just kind of the conditions of the contract. But we stayed in touch after that interaction, and that's what led to us creating this podcast. So kind of in summarizing this relationship that we have, Brett, what I would like to ask of you is what did it feel like for you to mentor a teacher on the autism spectrum? Well, first of all, I was happy to do it. Uh, having a son who is on the spectrum, I felt that I had at least a little bit of insight about things that you might be thinking about or going through. So um, I wanted to provide that safe space for you because our meetings were not anything about evaluation of you. So, you know, you had that already with other other professionals in the building about, you know, how to make you a better teacher as a first-year teacher and all those kinds of things. All I wanted to do was basically give you that safe space to vent and kind of be a sounding board for things that you were going through. Like, am I crazy thinking this? You know, what what should I do? Get, you know, and, and give you, offer some, some advice for that. So I enjoy I, offering that to you. Yeah, and I would also like to add that I had a lot of really great people that mentored me during that first year. And I think one of the things that's really positive about neurodiverse people working in education is that everybody has some exposure to people with autism and people with ADHD. And so it's not a completely unfamiliar thing. I will say that it's very different to get support from somebody who is a part of the autism community, be it a special educator, a parent, a person living with autism, rather than a general educator or an administrator who has experience but not in-depth experience. So I totally agree with you that being able to be very honest and transparent about my unique struggles and getting advice that was super empathetic I definitely think that made a huge difference in my success as a first-year teacher, and and it did make me feel safe. 
Awesome. So, so that was, yeah. you know, that's a benefit. And I'm, I was happy to support you through that for sure. And that was actually thinking about, about, um, your experience, you know, have being on the spectrum and being a teacher in a high school is a super challenging thing. And so it was, it was, again, I was happy to be able to help you kind of walk through some of those, those things that you were going through, especially when things were not always predictable. Mm -hmm. Right. And so. And I, I and I'll also, yeah. And I'll also add that every new teacher needs support, whether you're autistic or not. And I think to get through that first year of teaching, you need really specific support. And not only is it the support you need for understanding yourself as a teacher, it's also about understanding the demographic and the complex social dynamics of working with so many different types of learners and working with coworkers and administrators. And I think what another thing that was really great about our time together is it was sort of like one little stepping stone towards that neurodiversity in the workplace initiative in education. So I think it it helped people in our school community understand that when those students graduate, they do become working professionals. So that that relationship of mentorship and support doesn't stop once that person is in the student role eventually they're going to become a working professional. So it's definitely an evolving process. Absolutely. And hence, one of the purposes of our podcast. Oh, definitely. So looking back on our time together, what did you enjoy about coaching a teacher on the autism spectrum and what was challenging about it? So again, I enjoyed um, being able to help you. I think some of the challenges would be, am I helping you enough? Am I helping, am, am I giving you the support you needed, basically? And so I don't, I didn't always know the answer to that question other than, well, you kept pe coming back to the, the session, so that was good. <laughs> <laughs> so I felt, I guess yeah. this is working out, so. Yeah, well, great. and I'll also add, I think one of my biggest fears in working with you was being too codependent. So ironically, our in, uh, the instructional coach at our school, she was the one that connected me with you. And then I think she was starting to get a little concerned that maybe I was too codependent on you and was, you know, trying to resource me with ways to be a little more independent with my growth uh, as a teacher. And I definitely feel like that that intention was altruistic and and it was important in my growth as a teacher. Um, but it also created this fear and insecurity of whether or not I was going to burn you out um, by by depending on you too much for help when you are already giving so much of yourself to your students. And so I I do feel like that was a learning curve for me was was really trusting that you were there for me and that if it was too much you would you know you would tell me and i think that that trust has lent itself to this podcast because not only were we able to kind of meet each other where we were from a mentor mentee perspective but we were also able to kind of use that knowledge 
and be really successful co-hosts for this podcast. Absolutely. Absolutely. So in wrapping up that conversation about how we met, is there anything else you'd like to add about what you enjoyed about that relationship that we had and my, the mentor-mentee relationship and what was challenging? Anything else you'd like to um, add? I think nothing really about my relationship with you. I would say I wish there were more professionals in the autism community, whether they're parents or adults on the spectrum that were more out about their knowledge about autism to support other working professionals with autism. I, I felt so lucky to have you. And at the same time, I also felt vulnerable and alone feeling like I only had one person. And when I went to another school and started meeting other people, I did feel like I connected with other parents who also helped me in my journey. They all played different roles. So I connected with a parent who was a para and a, a parent who was our substitute coordinator. And everybody had valuable information. I think what I was looking for was, I think what you brought to the table, which was not only could you have that empathy of my autism, but you had an extensive amount of teaching experience to back it up. So you you could play that role of being an instructional coach and an empathetic person. So for anybody that's listening who is in education that is closely connected to the autism community, I would encourage you to really reach out to anybody you know that is on the autism spectrum that is a teacher because that that close empathetic support really makes a difference for getting through the first few years of your teaching career. Awesome. Yeah. Okay, so we are going to end this episode with our goals. We wanted to have our audience to get to know us as hosts. And now we'd like to talk about future upcoming episodes, some of which are about eye contact, stimming, Meltdown, shutdown, self-harming behaviors, and sensory processing, processing disorder. But Nicole, anything else that we're expecting for the next couple episodes? Yeah, so our first season of Understanding Autism is really focused on autistic behaviors, explaining why those behaviors occur, really building an empathetic understanding of why people with autism do those behaviors, and also why neurotypical people might engage in those same behaviors. We also talk about the neurology of why those behaviors occur. And part of it is to create support around those behaviors, but also to create a deeper sympathetic understanding that these behaviors are natural and important for our existence and they don't need to be cured or fixed. Specifically, next week's episode is going to be talking about what autism is. So we can't really delve into the nitty gritties of autistic behaviors if we don't understand what exactly does it mean to be autistic? What does it mean from medical model? What does it mean from the perspective of a person on the autism spectrum? So that's going to be the biggest focus. So we upload episodes every Monday, bi-weekly. In the meantime, you can follow Understanding Autism on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook 
to receive updates on our un- upcoming podcast episodes. I also make artwork and poetry to promote each episode. If you're listening to our podcast on our website, uh, my artwork is featured on the page that is promoting the episode. You can subscribe to Understanding Autism on YouTube and listen to us on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, etc. Like, subscribe, and leave a comment. And if you have questions for us, you can post them on our Facebook group, or you can email us at Brett and Nicole at understandingautism.info. Again, that is Brett and Nicole at understandingautism.info. And just to clarify, if anybody hasn't been on our website yet, Brett is spelled with one T and Nicole does not have an H. Well said. Well said. Yeah. <laughs> so again, that website is understandingautism.info, all one word with dot info. So thank you so much for tuning in and we will see you next week. Until then, I am Brett Thayer. And I'm Nicole Cabillas. 